This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Health and Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio and terrestrial satellites and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, I am joined by yet another phenomenal guest. My guest of today is a gentleman by the name of Douglas Vermeeren. So who is Douglas? Well, what I can tell you about Doug is that if you, first of all, have you ever fantasized about being in Napoleon Hill's shoes as he was gathering the wisdom of the world's leading industrialists for Think and Grow Rich, but doing it today and getting guidance that is not only ageless, but spot on for today's world. Douglas Vermeeren has done just that. This internationally renowned speaker, leader, mentor, and filmmaker has interviewed 400 of the world's business and motivational leaders to glean the wisdom that creates personal power mastery, the skill of leading a life of achievement and success on every level. Furthermore, like Hill, he has distilled that wisdom into a book. Vermeeren's personal power mastery has been lauded by no less an icon than Bob Proctor as a masterpiece. The book is being hailed by many of the preeminent leaders of the personal growth movement as a blueprint for overcoming limitations, bad habits, and beliefs so you can ascend to higher levels of mastery, accomplishment, and financial attainment. Personal power mastery puts all of that at your fingertips. Douglas Vermeeren's search for success strategies took him into the offices of the founders and CEOs of such companies as Nike, Reebok, Fruit of the Loom, FedEx, American Airlines, Ugg Boots, Uber, KFC, McDonald's, Disney, United Airlines, and Microsoft. As a result, ABC Television and Fox Business are referring to him as the modern-day Napoleon Hill. He is also the producer and director of three out of the top 10 personal development movies ever filmed, the author of three books in the Guerrilla Marketing series, and a regular featured expert on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, CTV, and CBC, and others. Currently, this program, Personal Power Mastery, as number three in the world for the most powerful personal development seminars. And now, his new book, Personal Power Mastery, will take its place on the list of international bestsellers. 
just wow, Douglas. <laughs> Welcome to Living Fearlessly. How are you? I'm awesome. Hey, if my resume gets any longer, that's going to take up the entire time. What's going on? Well, I know I might have to expand my show for people such as yourself. This is incredible. So I just want to, first of all, say congratulations on all your success and accolades. I want to also thank you for the gift of your time, because I know right now you're in the middle of speaking circuit stuff all over the globe. And uh, this has been planned in advance for quite some time and the days finally arrived upon us. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of the listeners, loyal listeners in the podcast subscribers. Thank you for the gift of your time. I really appreciate it, Doug. Thanks. We'll have some fun. This will be good. Absolutely. So let's talk about the inception of your journey. Let's talk about what uh, catapulted you, propelled you on the journey of personal growth and personal development. Because as we all know, it's usually birthed out of some type of uh, cathartic experience, some type of epiphany. Uh, I often preface turning shit into gold and learning the lesson from what it is you once upon went into or coming out of that makes you go, okay, there's a reason for why this happened. And rather than looking upon it as perhaps a curse or uh, something that puts people into the mindset of victimology, it instead propels you on the trajectory of, you know what, I'm on to something here. I can certainly empower other people to empower themselves because I know I'm not alone in this. So what was it for you? Well, you know, it, it's really interesting because uh, I actually was raised in a family that didn't have uh, e- even any kind of experience or context of personal growth. Like, my parents never heard of, you know, Tony Robbins or Napoleon Hill or any of these things. So I didn't know about any of that stuff. In fact, my parents were kind of lower middle income. Uh, my father worked in construction. My mom babysat kids in the home. We just really had no context for this idea of work smarter uh, and success that any success that I'd seen, I'd only seen from a distance. So kind of what happened is um, I was a broke college student. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I had... Yes student loans going crazy. As you know, all the credit card companies try to pitch the student. So I had a couple of maxed out credit cards. I had car payments. I had like my life was not good financially. And so out of desperation, I took a job in California selling pest control door to door. Now, if anybody here has ever done pest control, you know that uh, no one wants to talk to you, let alone now if you're doing it door to door. No one really wants to talk to you. And so over that summer, it was estimated I knocked on more than 22,000 doors and I created a life of discouragement. So add the debt to that work that just was not producing. And so I was at the point of really looking to quit. And with all the things that were going on in my life, I actually was kind of in a bit of a depression, a bit, my goodness, a big depression. Mm -hmm. And so um, at that time, I actually had a family friend of mine approach me. He was an older gentleman and he said, there's two books that you need to read. And uh, he gave them to me as gifts. The first one was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yeah. And as he gave it to me, he said, the first person you need to become friends with, young man, is yourself. And I was like, what does that mean? And then I read the book and figured that one out. And then the next book he gave me was Think and Grow Rich. And uh, for those of, uh, of your listeners who maybe are not familiar with that book, you might know that Napoleon Hill wrote that book after interviewing more than 400 of the world's top achievers in his day. People like Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, the Rockefellers, the Wrigleys, you name it, the top who's who of his day. And so when I read that book, not only did my mindset begin to change and I began to understand that who I surrounded myself with and the influences that I took into my life, those were making a big impact on how I perceived life and even my willingness factor to get up and do something. 
And so as I read that book, uh, I have to admit, I became a little bit jealous of Napoleon Hill. I didn't start with the intention to become a speaker or trainer, but I really wanted to have those relationships with the top achievers. So I started with a handful of successful people that I kind of already knew through the community. And I'll never forget that things really changed for me when one of these fellows who was a multimillionaire, he said to me, after weeks and weeks and weeks of visiting with him and being mentored by him and taught by him, he said, you know what? Out of all the things we've talked about and all the questions you've asked, there's one question you haven't asked me that's going to change everything for you. And I said, okay, well, I'm listening. What's that? And he said, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so I began to ask that of every successful person that I I met there on. And that led me to people like uh, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Warren Buffett, Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, uh, Donald Trump. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on now. And you've mentioned Lisa some of McDonald. those. Lisa McDonald. Yeah, now Lisa <laughs> McDonald. I mean, it's it's been a journey. But the thing that's kind of interesting about this all is a lot of people say, well, it's one thing to just kind of, you know, meet these people. But what did you really learn and how did your life change? Well, there's lots of examples I could give, but I think the most tangible is probably my financial life. And what happened to me as a 19-year-old, within six months of starting these interviews, my net worth went to $1.6 million. I was earning on average $9,000 plus a day in passive income. Now, that's kind of interesting, even that word passive. That means I was no longer having to work for that. It was coming in without me making a trade of my time. And so it was just an amazing experience of things that I learned in terms of success from these really amazing people. Brilliant. Okay, so let's talk about mindset. Um, yeah. I want to, you know, so when you when you rhyme off all the names of the people, we all know them, they're household, they're notable, they're incredible for what it is they do and for what they meant and share with the rest of us. Uh, so when we, when you do your research and you look at the common denominator uh, of the essential core ingredients for whatever makes these people completely sore, rise in the ranks, become the creme de la creme for what it is that they do specific that's signature to them. How can you break that down for the listening audience? What do you determine those core essential ingredients to be that is non-negotiable to get to that level? Well, I, I think that there's there's quite a few things to think about, and it's not really just a simple answer. I, and I know a lot of the success books just say, you know, if you believe it, you can achieve it and think, and, and you're all of a sudden on the path to brilliance. But the truth of the matter is, is it really starts with, number one, taking your life personally. In fact, this is why I chose the title on our book, Personal Power Mastery. You need to start by really getting personally committed to what your success looks like. You cannot delegate that. You can't blame the outside world. You can't say when situations get better or the market conditions change or I get in a better relationship or you know this stops happening or that starts happening. You cannot do that at all. You need to accept 100% complete ownership. And secondly, the word power in the title of my book, Personal Power Mastery, you need to recognize that you have the capacity and the ability to take action. You have mm -hmm. the ability to do something. And lastly, I think that word mastery in the title is important too because mastery isn't a level of perfection, but rather it's a level of perseverance. You know, there yes. was an issue that was done with um, Pablo Picasso years ago, you know, the artist. Yeah. And uh, someone, a reporter came to him and they were looking at his paintings and they said, well, wow, you're such a master. How long did it take you to develop this skill of art? And he stopped the person. He says, I am not a master. In fact, I'm just persistent. And I continue every day to grow in my strength. Like one of the things that 
that I do as a hobby, I'm a mixed martial artist. I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I do competitive mixed martial arts. And when we're talking with people about growing and gaining skills, you know, uh, one question that people ask is how long does it take the average person to get a black belt? And our answer is always average people don't get black belts because the truth of the matter is, is you need to become something more than you are. You need to expand who you are before you can expand what you have. And that continues even into that, let's call it mastery phase. When you de develop a certain level of expertise, that's actually just the beginning, not even close to the completion stage. Brilliant. I absolutely love that metaphor analogy. So thank you. That really depicts and hits home the point brilliantly. So let's talk about, you know, authentic leadership. And I know these are cliche buzzwords, but I mean, it, it means something specific and unique to every person who I interview. So there's no standard answer. And of course, this is organic conversation. This is completely yeah. unscripted. So in terms of authentic leadership, Boiling that down, breaking that down, what would you say in today's culture, not wanting to go down the rabbit hole of politics necessarily, but when you look at the culture of Me Too, you look at what's happening, you know, uh, in Pennsylvania Avenue, when you look at what's happening across the board, even within the personal development industry, you know, what is it for you, Douglas, specifically, uh, that really innately speaks to lingering legacy, the imprint, the blueprint that you personally also wish to leave behind and be most remembered for. What is authentic leadership and how do we discern that and break it down? You know, that, that's that's a bunch of questions. <laughs> um, so All it, interconnected it, though. Yeah, right? it, and it's difficult to kind of, I guess, pinpoint this because here's the deal. I think Quite frankly, true leaders don't go out looking to be recognized as leaders. And I think mm -hmm. that this is this is really an important kind of point that, you know, leadership really comes from the standards that we set in our life. And when we set high standards and we recognize there are certain things that we will not tolerate or that we will not accept, uh, our standard of living, if you will, in all areas, I'm not just talking financially, I'm talking our relationships, I'm talking our feelings of self-worth, I'm talking our spirituality, I'm talking even our health, how we treat ourselves, everything. When we raise those standards, we we automatically become, let's call it an ideal or something that um, can, can be recognized as a source of excellence, if you will, and inspiration. And I think when people choose to live at a higher level, they can't help but become a leader in some capacity because people want to follow those and learn from those that are, you know, living exceptional lives. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's a first part is you need to raise your standards. But the second part I think is maybe even more important and that's the aspect of being authentic. So even when we do recognize the leadership qualities in others, or we see things that, you know, oftentimes inspire us, we need to recognize, is it in line and in harmony with our truest and highest values? And if it's not, it's not sustainable. And I see so many people in personal development who, you know, even from the coaches, you know, they recognize the latest fad or they, they attend a Tony Robbins seminar and they all of a sudden want to be like Tony and they get out there and become speakers or coaches or they watch The Secret and suddenly they feel like they're a law of attraction coach. And we saw that tons, right? Like so many people mm -hmm. that just have not done the work. And as much as people say, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it is a lie. Yes. It does not work. It's not true. In fact, I love what Warren Buffett said. He said, when the tide goes out, we get to see who's swimming naked. Yes. And the truth of the matter is, is, you know, life isn't about fake it till you make it. It's it's hustle till you have it. That's yes. really what it is. And I mean, it's it's true. You set your intentions 
and you decide where you want to go, but you're needing to create that. There's work that's involved and there's effort that, that's there. In fact, I was a little disappointed yesterday. I saw on social media there was um, a fellow that I know quite well, and he's offering a course on how to become a big coach and speaker. And in kind of his little intro video, he says, you don't have to know anything. You don't have to understand anything. You don't have to have any kind of a background or anything. All you have to do is, you know, basically kind of know who you're serving. And and I don't know that that's necessarily true, right? Like, I, th I think it's a big disservice to this industry for people to immediately think that they're qualified to help people. And, you know, the most tragic s situation that I've seen is, Lately, with all of this cyberbullying, and it's not just happening among youth, it's happening among adults, too, is there's so many people that really do need a good support system, a, a, a coach or a mentor who can help them find their self-worth and can establish that and to build a strength of character. Yet, you've got people out there that are saying you can do this without any training at all or any kind of background or any kind of support. I'll tell you, after interviewing 400 of the world's top achievers, that's definitely not true. And the problem with so many of the coaches today is they're sharing a photocopy of a photocopy of a book that someone else has written that they were inspired by. And they think that that qualifies them to be leaders. And it's not. It's Bingo. Not. Yeah. And so, you know, here, here's the deal. I'm not trying to sound mean or anything, but if, if you're one of those coaches that feels that way, how shall I say this in a Sunday school way? Repent. <laughs> right. And then honestly, it's not too late for you to get good at this. It's not too late for you to be qualified. And, you know, you should be, uh, what is it that Brian Tracy said? It says, if you read a book a month on the subject matter that, that you're, you know, interested in, you'll rise to the top 10% of that industry. I'm going to say a, a book a month isn't enough. Yes, right? agreed. You really honestly need to be learning about your content every single day so, it, so that you know it. If you know it, you can flow it and you mm -hmm. become valuable to those you serve. In fact, if you're calling yourself a coach, every room that you walk into, you should be the most knowledgeable person on that subject. And, and you need to really focus on adding value and giving the support as the leader. Like, wow, this is a long-winded answer to this question. but No, it's you know, beautiful. We need to provide far, far, far more value, not only – than, than what is expected, but then what the marketplace is requiring. We need to make sure that our value that we deliver is so high. And by the way, here's another just quick thing that I discovered when I was interviewing the 400 Achievers. You know, you've often heard that, you know, to be successful, we've got to pursue our passion and our purpose. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's only partially true. Mm -hmm. You see, again, quoting Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett said, what you love about you is your hobby. What others love about you is your business. And the problem is, is too many people are building their business and their life from what they find passionate and purposeful. Well, the truth of the matter is, is your greatest brilliance and abundance and value and validation will all come from where your purpose and passion overlap the purpose and passion of others. So who is the greatest community that you could serve? What do you guys have in common, right? And that's where you're going to find the value. So, you know, don't try to just serve anybody. Serve those that you love to serve. Serve those that validate and love what you do. And you'll mm -hmm. find that that will be far easier for you. Okay, you said a lot of things, and I'm trying to hold all these thoughts Bye. simultaneously um, because it's really important information, and I really like to dissect certain points and really hit home the underlying message here. So I play devil's advocate to everything. So there was one backtracking a little bit. Uh, you meant you said something along the lines of, you know, if you're not if you're not the greatest expert in the room, something to that, where I would flip that on its head based on the old adage. And again, it's very hard to come up with an original thought these days. But 
my understanding, my philosophy and a lot uh, of that would be shared by equal thought leaders and influencers would be if you deem yourself to be the smartest person in the room, you need to get yourself a new room because, well, I, you I, know, I think that's a great point. But but and I had some of the top achievers mention that, like Bill Bartman, who was at one time one of the wealthiest men in the world, said to me that he always wants to be the dumbest guy in the room. And I'm going to say that there's a difference between when you are a leader, which is the question you asked, and when you're a learner. And yeah. I think the problem with most people is that they don't really know the difference. And this is the other thing, too, is you cannot be a, a strong personal development leader. You cannot be a strong personal development teacher unless you're a student first and a student always. Agreed. And so you've got to have different contexts and different settings where you are the dumbest guy in the world. But when it's your turn to be of service, you better dang well be a powerful source or resource for those that you're serving. You need to be the smartest guy in the room when it's your turn to be the teacher. Okay, and I appreciate you discerning that because when you preface it that way, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, going back to what you said, you found a bit disheartening about that video and, and, you know, you don't necessarily need to know anything was what the person's message was. You can still be a coach. Now, I go to the abstract. I'm going to break that down. I agree with you when it comes to important pivotal things such of that nature where you're playing an instrumental role in navigating the journey of other people. It's very important not to mislead people or to put people in positions of authority when they themselves are, haven't done the work and they don't have a clue what they're doing. But again, because it's trendy to be a so-called coach, people, you know, jump onto the, well, the coattails. That some coaches are making too. And by the way, not all coaches are making that money. They, you know, right. people see this they assume that's the case. The truth of the matter is statistics just came out. Uh, I think it was the National Speakers Association that recognized that one in 450 actually can make a living doing this. Right. So it's not as lucrative as a, uh, and easy as what people think, especially if, if you're competing against some of the best in the world, right? Right. Now, going back to what I, I was trying to say there is I think where that person who you know was uh, imparting that specific message, I think where they fell short uh, I think if they took out the coaching end of it in terms of stepping into the role of becoming a coach and, and equating that with you don't need to necessarily know anything, I think it would have been a much more impactful, valuable type video if they were talking about something like mindset without yeah. equating it to coaching. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. It does, we all have prior vocations. We've all had things that have been launch pads for us to get to a, a new level of clarity and become more self-actualized and become more committed to personal growth. So I think if, if he had just left it as, you know what, even if this isn't necessarily your realm of understanding, even if you don't know all of what's involved in terms of self-discovery, self-awareness, you can with the right tools, become that kind of thinker. You can become that kind of being. You can become that kind of energy sphere in the world. So, I, I yeah, I think he, he would have had much more, uh, he would have had much more buy-in perhaps if he had just I, I think left. Credibility too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you then, uh, Douglas, you know, as, as somebody and regardless of how empowered or evolved or self-actualized you are, you're still at the end of the day, a human being. 
Um, mm-hmm. And there's going to be circumstances and unforeseen things that, you know, individually trip all of us up. It doesn't matter how in the zone you are or how on top of your game you are. And clearly you would be one who, for having done all the work and being committed to the ongoing work, you would be able to recalibrate and shift very quickly and, and exit that that sphere of thinking as quickly as you fell back into it. So what are some of the things that you cue yourself or what are some of the things that you are cognizant of and you go, okay, you know what, this thought doesn't really serve me. Is it true? You know, to what degree am I going to allow myself to believe that and then go down the rabbit hole? So when you are thrust into a circumstance that's out of your control, that kind of trips you up, what is it that you do? What is it that you say that shifts you back to being being in the right realm of thinking? Yeah. Well, first of all, I really appreciate um, these questions on thoughts. I don't know if you knew this, but our very next movie that we're working on is called How Thoughts Become Things. And uh, I just finished actually shooting John Martini, who's one of my best friends, and Bob Proctor, who's one of my best friends, um, for this film. So it, it's I love this idea around thought. Now, I guess here's the way that I, I guess I kind of fell out of the, the slump I was in as the college student. Now, remember, for like 19 years, I had been trained in incorrect thinking methods. My first immediate default mode was to put myself. But but you know what? This was a powerful lesson for me yeah. even of itself, is that we need to understand that those who are at the high levels, they are willing to help. But we need to be prepared when we visit with them. We need to mm-hmm. respect their time. And when we can demonstrate that we keep that, like he was totally impressed that I showed up with a notepad with specific questions and mm-hmm. we were done. And, you know, there were two really brilliant things that he told me after. He said, I will always now give you time because I know how you are prepared when you arrive. So mm-hmm. to me, that was like a really amazing thing. And later on, he actually introduced me. The same person introduced me to the president of Quaker Oats, which was kind of cool because mm-hmm. he knew he could trust me with his friends. Right. But yeah. The other thing that was amazing is he uh, said to me, you know, and I'll just kind of abbreviate the conversation. He said, you know what? Too many people go into a Starbucks and they do a meeting for an hour and they feel like a meeting needs to be an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he pointed out that why is that? And he then sh- uh, shared that in our school system, if you've got to learn science or English or maths or whatever, you're trained that that takes an hour. It takes an hour. That's a class period of an hour. And so that is now translated into our daily life that we're, if we're going to meet with somebody, we always feel like we need at least an hour to sit there. And the truth of the matter is, is, you know, when I started applying this kind of 15 minute rule or less into my life, I find that people come prepared to meet with me. I train people. I teach them how to treat me. And mm-hmm. so everything gets done a lot quicker and I have my time. Like a lot of times people like right now I'm rated as the number one passive income coach in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think. The reason why is I understand how to set up systems quickly and effectively so that I can own my freedom in the future. The problem I think with most people is they don't know how to do that. They feel like they have to continually work, work, work because they've been trained to understand that money is always attached to an exchange of time. And Mm -hmm. that's not true at all. So I don't know. There's a tip for your viewers. Start like honestly (laughs) coming prepared to meetings and expecting others to do the same and you'll find that your productivity level will go up. Productivity isn't doing more to get more. It's actually doing less and either getting the same or doing less and getting more. And so we need to learn how to use those systems, right? Well, given the fact that my show is 55 minutes, I appreciate you deviating from everything you just said. But you know what? If it wasn't 55 minutes, you wouldn't encapsulate it, that very important point for people going forward. Because, yeah, I respect people, 
who respect my time and people who are clearly coming prepared and they have the foresight and they have the insight to know, you know what, 15 minutes is going to go like that. So what is it that I'm wanting to walk away from and what are the key questions and what am I going to do to show this person, not just by coming organized, but being very succinct in your question asking, because there's a million questions, but if they don't make sense and it doesn't connect to, you know, taking that back and applying it in such a way that that's probably in some respects, looking back on it in retrospect, that's the best 15 minutes that helped me shave maybe five years off of my life by not wasting my time. True. By, by, you know, here, here's something for you to think about. One of the quotes that I like to share with my students that we we came up with in Personal Power Mastery is a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. Yes. And the more you can make something specific, the easier it is to attain. And by the way, it's not that this is a 15 or 55 minute meeting. Obviously, the context of this is we're trying to provide value. So this is different. And I want to make it. I'm just being silly. Yeah, no, and, and you're right, but I think that's a great distinction that you just pointed out. You know, when I go into a business meeting, and I think that, you know, most meetings, and especially in a corporate setting or if you're, a, a, you know, a coach or, or looking to build clients in these kind of meetings, most of them do not have the purpose clearly outlined except you think I'm going to sell this guy and being my client or I'm going to introduce and they're going to get to know me. And the truth of the matter is, is those things, while they're somewhat important, they can be abbreviated. In fact, one of the coolest things that we've taught our students, like I also teach speakers and coaches how to get to high levels of success. I'm now at an eight figures myself as a coach and there's uh, and speaker. There's very few in the world that do that. But one of the things that we've done, and this might be useful for your people, is take a sheet of paper and list 25 of the major problems that your potential client has. Now, here's the deal. Your competition can probably get to 10 quite easily, and so can you. Getting to 15 is a little harder. Getting to 20 starts making you a lot more aware of what they're thinking. 25 now makes you a very qualified expert, and people will be surprised when they understand that. Now, on the other side of that paper, write down 25 solutions to Mm -hmm. those problems. Now, get this. Abbreviate those laminate the sheet, show up with a dry erase marker, and when you are sitting across from your coaching client, you pass him the page and you say, circle the problems that you're experiencing. He does. Then you flip it over and say, circle the solutions that you think would help you best. He does. And all of a sudden now you have a very clear view of how you can serve this person and you can create packages and and possibilities for them to outline the solutions that they've already said that they want. They're, again, you know, selling themselves, but they're being very clear so that you can see how to provide that value. And I think that this is a tool that, you know, right away, that's going to trim a couple of hours off your investigations in a meeting. You can have them do this. It takes literally three minutes, right? Well, what I love about, I mean, in two instances where I've asked you very pointed questions, you refer to your way of of problem solving, whether it's your uh, unforeseen moment of anxiety, how do you recalibrate your thinking, you write things down. Now you're you're also suggesting that in terms of the exchange uh, and the communication back and forth between that uh, the, the coach, the mentor and their client. 
you know, this is so key. People who think that they can aspire to greatness or they can aspire to reach that level of clarity without writing things down or thinking that they've gotten to such a point in their journey that they can negate that step altogether. That's a big mistake. I, I think that's where you people start to slide backwards without realizing to what degree they're sliding. Right. So I, I really appreciate that you say that because when I ask people, not always typically every week, but when I talk about, you know, what, what are your suggested tools? What things would you impart to the listening audience as things that they can do instantaneously to recalibrate their thinking or to get themselves in a, in a, in a focus point of clarity? Writing is so crucial. In fact, when I'm writing my books, a lot, of, a lot of people just go straight to the keyboard on their computer and they go into a file. No, I write everything down by hand, all my content by hand, and then it gets transcribed uh, because it's just the way the brain works. And I think it just makes you think better and it makes you think on all pistons. And I think it produces better content and, and better clarity. So I really appreciate, Douglas, that for the listening audience, you've said that twice now, which shows the consistency for you do walk your talk. So let me give you one other thing about writing books that I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've now got about a dozen books that are out there. And I have to admit, um, you know, my first book, and I've seen this with so many of my students, I probably ended up with more copies of it in my garage than ever went out to the public. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's a lot of authors that that's the same thing. But I figured out a little something that has really helped me with my business and my books. And that's to actually don't like you hear about all these guys writing books and they get themselves a little hotel somewhere on a nice beautiful beach and they write their book in private solo and then they come back and present to the world i think that's a really greedy and in like ineffective way to do it mm -hmm. remember what i said is your success will come when your passion and purpose overlap the passion and purpose of others mm -hmm. so what i find now what i do to write my books is you can always tell when i'm writing if you join me on social media because i'm asking questions of my buyers all the time i'm mm -hmm. asking what they want to learn about and what they find valuable, what of my teachings have helped them. And, and I find out from them directly what they would like to learn about. And as a result, I create a book that they want to read. And I think it's so important that we recognize that in our coaching experience or speaking experience or training or mentoring experience that we need to understand it's not a one-way uh, monologue it is a conversation and the more we can involve those people like this is why this idea today of sharing content online and 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 really connecting with your community is so important because people do want to be involved and Quite frankly, you need to know what the issues are. You need to know what the conversation is. And you can't go into this marketplace assuming that you have value when you haven't asked what people are actually valuing themselves. So I think it's a really important you know, principle to just really get them involved. In fact, I love to, even with my students, I'll get somebody, uh, you know, in there who, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get per, uh, permission and I'll get them to actually, you know, give me their testimonials or their experiences. And, and then they're really excited to see themselves later in the book and they tell their friends about it too. So, you know, they're really genuinely involved in every project. I guess my name shouldn't really be on the title of most of the stuff I'm creating because it's not just me, right? It's a team effort. Right. 
Well, and when you do open things up to become a win-win scenario across the board, I mean, to me, as you've cited, that's the instantaneous buy-in, you know, because people, you know, it's like I say to people, you know, don't forget, sometimes success gets to people's head and, you know, they're in a position where they can charge $80,000 for one-on-one coaching uh, because of their name, because of their accolades, because of who they are and where they've been broadcasted and, and covered and featured, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I always say, you know, when these people get what they want from you, and it's happened to me too, uh, and, you know, I'm plugging them all over the place and I'm giving them props, I'm giving them kudos, I'm expressing my gratitude. Hashtag gratitude all be- always comes before hashtag living fearlessly. And then you reach out to these people because you want to reconnect with them. You've lined their pockets and then all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found again. So yeah. I think it's also important not just to look at the success of somebody, but go back and talk to people who have needed to do follow up with them after the fact and find out how accessible they are and how still then after the fact that when they've been paid, they're truly committed to your ongoing growth and development. Well, here's something that I guess, uh, how do do I say this kind of funny? I don't know. Um, Bottom line is, is like right now, like I go out and I speak and I do group coaching and I do group trainings and things like this and that's accessible. But my one-on-one uh, I've got a three-year waiting list, and I charge about 250000 for the year to be on it. Now, I've got a three-year waiting list. But mm-hmm. what I have done um, to give back and make sure things really can work is actually if you have a student ID, like a valid student ID, you come to my events for free. And we also do coaching sessions with students for free. And so I'm, you know, I, I'm of, I'm of the, the belief that it's one thing to charge, you know, the money that you're worth, right? Mm-hmm. But I think you also need to recognize how you can lift those that are ready to be groomed to be that next generation of your life. Um, so I would encourage Coach to think about that, right? Like, it's not just about the bottom line. What are you really creating? And that legacy, what does yours look like, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do you want that to be? And I'm so grateful that, you know, another thing that we do too, and it's not just me, I don't, I don't want people to think this is just me, but my students, every major event that we do, uh, we have within that context of, of the event, a fundraiser that we do where we give uh, a bunch of money to every local children's hospital where we do an event. And Brilliant. I think more speakers and, and coaches need to look at how can I incorporate that element, that abundance of giving back and you'll find that what is it that they say that givers gain and i I don't do it for the idea of givers gain from a financial perspective but even in my own life the harmony the peace that's there the the blessings that my children see because we're dedicated to giving back and the the harmony between my wife and i you know i mean what a blessing it is that you know when you when you can do these things as a family and then quite frankly your students begin to feel like family and that's Absolutely. when I think we, we really begin to have a just a higher level experience for everybody. This is what humanity is about, right? It's not just the mm-hmm. taking anymore. And so uh, I don't know if there's coaches or speakers listening. I'm just going to encourage you. I'm going to actually challenge you to level up by becoming more of a giver. Find how you can bring this into your business. And you'll find that suddenly there'll be more abundance in all aspects of everything you're doing. Uh, you, you won't believe it. It'll, it'll be an incredible thing. In fact, when we did the movie, The Gratitude Experiment, and I'm glad you brought up gratitude, we mm-hmm. found that this idea of giving is directly attached to gratitude yeah. and that gratitude has an amazing power that it expands whatever it touches. So if you want to have more abundance or better relationships or feelings of self-worth or anything, you need to begin with the gratitude currently for what exists in the present. And you'll find Absolutely. that you can't help expand what's there. It's incredible. 
Well, it is incredible. And, uh, it, you know, it, it rings true time and time again for people who actually practice it and who embody it. And it's be part of their actual true intrinsic DNA. And being very discerning, I can afford to be now as to who it is that I showcase on my platforms. One of my prerequisites and what I do in my research is to what degree, not voluntarily necessarily, that this person shares with me. But in my research, I find out to the degree that this person does truly pay it forward and be of service. I don't care how successful they are. If that's not part of their uh, daily living, if that's not how they approach the rest of the world, uh, I don't I don't showcase these people because I'm all about that and I believe that that's inherent. Uh, I, I think that's what we're here to do. You know, we all each individually have a multitude of skills and talents and things that we can offer and share with the rest of the world. But if at the crux of that, you lack that ability to pay it forward and to be of service or think that you don't necessarily feel that you should. Some people say, well, you know what, go get your own job. You know, I struggled, you know, I had to pay my own bills and it becomes like an us and them and it becomes very divisive thinking and it becomes very non-inclusive. And so people who tend to have that approach or that mindset, they're automatically disqualified from being a guest on my show. And that's unbeknownst to them, because if I have to explain that, then you know what, it's just adding insult to injury. So I'm moving on. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I like that. That's fun. That's yeah. Really fun. So, uh, so being cognizant of time, Douglas, and of course these shows always go too quickly for my liking. I'd like to hear from you what living fearlessly means to you. Wow, living fearlessly. Um, you know that that's an interesting question, and I've I've thought about this before. Um, I you know one one of the mentors that uh, that I had earlier in in my uh, you know interviews with the achievers. He said to me, I'm trying to figure out how he worded it, essentially that if you're living a life without fear, you're not living it big enough. Yes. And so the, the bottom line is, is it, it's true. I mean, I, I now have the feelings of self-confidence and self-worth where I'm not really afraid to face things, but <clears throat> it's a different kind of fear now that I look for. And, and notice I said I look for the fear. Mm. <clears throat> What is it that I can do that expands? And I don't want to say, like, here's the deal. Most gurus say step out of your comfort zone. I'm going to say that that's incorrect. There's certain things I'm not comfortable with. Like, I don't do my own dental work. I don't cut my own hair. I don't do my, (laughs) like, right? There's things that you shouldn't probably do yourself. But what I try to do, and this is a different phrase, is I try and get in my brilliance zone. Not out of my comfort zone, but into my brilliant zone. And one of the interviews that I did was with Edward James Olmos, the actor. And I asked him, what is your definition of success. And he said something interesting. He said, some people think success is doing those things that are hard. In other words, getting out of your comfort zone. He said, that's not success. He said, success is finding what you love and then doing it even when it's hard. And I thought that's super insightful because a lot of times we we pick things that we love, that we're excited about, and then it becomes challenging. So what I'm going to say is instead of getting out of your comfort zone, get into your brilliance zone, the things you're really good at, the things you really love, the things that you're totally passionate about, the things that other people validate and appreciate, and that's where you become uncomfortable. So for me to live fearlessly, uh, I know this is that was a long way to get to this answer, it's that I really want to live the things that fulfill me, that validate me, that I value most, that, that take care of my loved ones, that that I can be proud of and that I can be in full integrity with. And there is where I'm looking for my fear. Fantastic. When I my brilliant zone, I'm going to get really uncomfortable and I'm going to push the limits and the things that are important to me, the things that are valuable to me, the things that have worth. And I brilliant. think often 
you know, people never take the time to figure out where they should be afraid. They're just afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. There's certain things that you just don't even need to worry about, right? Love it. Well, listen, as, as I said, we could talk for forever because these are my favorite subjects and people like you are my favorite type of quality caliber guests. So I just want to say once again, Douglas, it's been a real honor, a real treat and a real pleasure to showcase you here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. You're welcome back anytime. To my listening audience, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tuning in to myself and Douglas of this week on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. And I look forward to doing this again next week. All my best, love and gratitude. Take care. Thanks, Douglas. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.